I never faulted her for, for putting me up for adoption. Like, in my mind, I always kind of rationalized that it was because she was too young. And that's just kind of how I imagined it. You know, there was just some circumstance that she loves me, but she wasn't in a position to raise me. And so I just, that's just kind of what I lived on. I, I never felt like I wasn't wanted by her. Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and on today's show is Candy, with a K. Candy called me from Laurel, Mississippi. She's a mother of seven children with a family composition similar to her own as a child. One of her kiddos is adopted, and the others are biological to herself. Candy tells the tale of how that adoption came to be after guidance through prayer, her good fortune to spend time with her birth mother before losing the woman, and the forgiveness she holds in her heart for the man who forced her into this world. This is Candy's journey. Candy was born in Gulfport on the coast of Mississippi, but her story starts well before her own birth with her adopted mother back when she was a child around sixth grade. As a part of a church program called Girls in Action, her mother's church took young girls to a home for unwed mothers. It's not clear to Candy what the purpose of the trip was for the girls, but she does know it was impactful on her mother. And so my mom had gone, and while she was visiting and looking around, she saw a baby in the nursery there, and um, she promised God that when she grew up that she would adopt. Fast forward, she, she married her high school sweetheart, and they were told it would be very difficult for them to get pregnant. But they um, tried anyway, and finally had my oldest sister, and no complications, but the doctor was like, you know, you're not going to be able to get pregnant again. Like, this was just a, a, one, a one-shot thing. And so after several years of not being able to get pregnant, they decided to start looking at adoption. It took about five years for them to finally get their hands on me. So I was only about, I would say, I think I was about 14 days old when when I came home. And my older sister by that time was 13 years old, and she was actually the first person that got to hold me. So that was really special for her. And a lot of people, because I had blonde hair and my, my sister had blonde hair, they always assumed that I was hers, <laughs> but um, and so she she babysat me a lot, and she just loved it. Well, within uh, by the time I guess I was about nine or ten months, maybe even older, my mom found out she was pregnant, and so then she had my little sister. So I'm uh, sandwiched between two biological children. Candy always knew she was adopted. Her parents told her she was chosen, special, and God loved her. She remembers reading the book, Why Was I Adopted?, by Carolyn Eastman. Candy said her mother did try to meet her curiosity about her adoption, but she thinks discussing it was hard on her mother sometimes. I think she had a lot of fear that I would find my adoptive family and leave her and 
run off with him, I guess. Um, just irrational thoughts like that. That was kind of, you know, I never wanted to hurt her feelings and, and make her feel like she wasn't my mom or wasn't important because she very much was. She, you know, made me who I had a big part in who I am today. Candy knew she was a little different from her sisters, but the siblings were all treated the same, and their family had a lot of love. She noted that there were some things that fulfilled her that her adoptive family wasn't proficient at, like art, dance, and music. Candy said her mother had papers documenting her adoption from the Catholic diocese on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, so she suspected her birth mother was from that area. Whenever she was down there, she always looked around for someone who she thought looked like herself. My mom had papers. I, I remember she'd pull them out every once in a while and we would kind of look through them. And really the only thing it said was that she was an attractive young woman, you know, and that she liked art. And so I was like, oh, that's me, you know, like I love art. And I think it said something about her having curly hair. And I was like, oh, I've got curly hair. Mm -hmm. I was the only one out of the family that had curly hair. <laughs> and so I just kind of, I don't know, identified with that. Growing up, um, my mother's father had a fishing camp in Gaucher down in that area. And so when we'd go, we would, we would drive to Gulfport where they had a mall. And I would always kind of look around to see if I ever saw anybody that looked like me. You know, I never had anybody say, wow, you don't look like anybody in your family. But I, I never saw anybody that really looked like me. And so I was always, I, I wanted to, to assume that I looked like, you know, like what my family looked like, my birth family. And when I was in college, I worked at a, a Baptist camp. I was at the western stretch of the coast. So um, some friends of mine had gone to the mall, at that same mall that I would always look for birth family. And they came back and they're like, hey, we just saw your sister. I mean, she looked just like you, you know. And and um, and they're like, is your sister in town? I was like, well, maybe. And they just kind of looked puzzled. And I explained to them that, that I was adopted and there was a, a high probability that, that um, there was some birth family somewhere on the coast. I could have a sister. I could have a brother. You know, I don't really know. And they're like, well, this girl really looked like you. She had dark curly hair, you know, just like yours. And, wow. and so come to find out later, once I did meet my birth family, they lived like within walking distance to the mall. And, and my half sister would go to the mall frequently. Is that and right? That was probably her. Yeah. Whoa, that's Just crazy. so close. <laughs> that's unbelievable. That also, yeah. Did you yeah. believe it though at the moment? Did you did you sort of cling to that? Like maybe they did see me. Did you have a feel like an urge to run over? Yeah. There? Yeah. I mean, I would I would kind of always say, well, they, yeah, they probably did. I mean, I knew there was a possibility, so you know, I was kind like, yeah, probably so. <laughs> Candy's mother told her that when she turned eighteen, she could search for her birth family. The Catholic Diocese told her mother way back when that when the baby turned 18, she could submit a letter to the diocese to seek her out. They said if they also had a letter from her, the mother, they would connect the pair. But Candy was in college when she was 18 years old, 
a time when she was focused on her future, so she didn't feel that urge to begin the search process. She said when she was pregnant with her first child, she kind of started the search, realizing that she didn't know anything about her own biological contribution to the child. So she did submit a letter to the Catholic diocese, but there was no letter on file from her birth mother. Therefore, the diocese sent a copy of her de-identified information, with the identifiable data redacted. So when I got it, um, I had a very startling revelation that was included, and I had no idea, my mom had no idea, that uh, my birth mother was only 17 and a junior in high school when she was raped. Oh. It was by somebody in the military. Mm-hmm. Well, he'd come in through the back door of the home that she was staying in, and um, he was intoxicated with something and raped her at knife point, and she was only 17. So when I read all this, you know, I was I was pretty devastated, not so much for myself, but for her. You know, I just kept, I, I don't know, like I always had a fear of being raped so much that I would kind of obsess about it when I was in high school. I kind of got over it when I was older, but when I read that, I was like, well, I wonder if that's why I was so obsessed with with that fear for for a time when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was really odd. That is interesting. That, I mean, that's the same time that, frame yeah. that she was attacked. Yeah. And that's yeah. when your fear yeah. was at its highest. And then it subsided. Yeah. Yeah. I was really brokenhearted for her that she had to endure all of that. And so I got to the very last page of all the information that they had given me. And they accidentally left her full name on the very last page. Wow. So, in 2008, while pregnant with her first child, Candy obtained her full birth name, the story of how she came into the world, and her birth mother's full name. She already figured out her mother was probably from the Gulf Coast, so she took to social media to look for the woman and started digging through online resources. On a yearbook website, She found her birth mother's name, twice, once for the year she would have graduated and once for the prior year. Unsure which account to contact, she messaged them both. There was no response, but Candy figured it had to be her mother, suspecting that the woman may have dropped out of school the year she was born, then re-enrolled after her birth. Candy found an online adoption registry that allowed her to identify herself and enter as much identifying information as possible, and she had a lot. I remember finding something where I could put in my information and what I knew about her and that I was looking for her. And somehow my half-brother found it. If he had been helping his mom look, you know, look too, and I, I guess he was just searching and found that I was looking for, for her and the day I was born and he was like, Mom, I think this is her. And she said, she looked at my name and was like, that's the girl that messaged me on your book. And mm-hmm. so she saw my message, but she thought that I was just being, that I was somebody her age being nosy. Because my question was, did you ever put a baby up for adoption? And that, that's just kind of where I left it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so she messaged me back and was like, I did, you know, wait, when when were you born? 
And so we, we started corresponding through yearbook and then we exchanged numbers. And so, um, that was, uh, a very exciting, um, time to, to think, wow, I finally, I finally found her, you know? Yeah. And to, we found each other on, on Facebook and looking at her picture, I was like, Wow, I look so much like her. You know, it's just crazy. <laughs> so you saw her face and so online, we set it up. and you and you look just like yes. her. Yes. What, what did that feel like for you? That was really cool. I don't know. She's beautiful, and so I was like, "Wow, do I look like that?" know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, you know, I have a lot to look forward to. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> At the time. Candy didn't know that it was her half-brother who found her online. Her birth mother told her that story sometime later. Candy said she saw elements of herself in her mother's Facebook profile, like her creative nature. She dressed differently in outfits full of color, just like Candy was known for in high school. After messaging back and forth, the mother and daughter pair arranged to meet halfway between their homes in Hattiesburg. Candy lived in the Northern Delta, Her mother was still in Gulfport. Her birth mother brought her husband. Candy brought her husband and her son, the woman's one-year-old grandson. Uh, It was just really kind of surreal, like when I when I saw her for the first time in person, and we hugged, and I don't know, it was just it was really cool, you know, to see parts of me and her and her face and her smile. And some of the gestures, like things that she does when she talks, you know, I do the same thing. It's just really odd. It it helps you to see how much is nature versus nurture, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's really crazy. Candy says she and her birth mother hit it off and got along well. She tried to be respectful of her own mom and not dive into a relationship with her birth mother, so they took things slowly. Candy's mom wanted to meet her birth mother, but her mom struggles with anxiety that she wasn't able to work through, so she just wasn't ready. There was a lot of drama after I met my birth mom because my family was very possessive of me, and Mm -hmm. they didn't want to share me. And so because they didn't meet each other right off, there was a lot of irrational ideas in their heads about how my birth family was going to be and how they were going to react and, you know, just everything, I guess. And so there was a lot of bickering amongst my my, my family and my birth family. There's just misunderstandings. They thought they knew what somebody meant by a comment, you know, and so it was, you know, they had to eventually just stop being friends on Facebook oh, um, yeah. so mm. that everybody could get along. And so that was really, really hard because, I mean, I could see where both sides were coming from. And I wanted them all to, to get to know each other because I knew they would love each other. So, oh, that was hard. Um, yeah, it sounds but, like it um, is hard. You've got two different worlds, people yes. who know you from different perspectives, and folks mm-hmm. who wouldn't probably necessarily be friends were it not for your presence. And so right. for you to be yeah. stuck in the middle in that way has got to mm-hmm. be tough. And and I can understand yeah. your desire to sort of want them to get to know each other. But it's also challenging mm-hmm. to, you know, in any way sort of 
push people together or try to pull them together um, when they mm-hmm. wouldn't normally be brought together. So, but I mean, right. it's yeah. interesting that they tried. They tried to connect with one another on Facebook and things like that. So mm-hmm. they made an effort. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, my birth mom was like, I know I'm not your mom. And, you know, she's like, I just, I just want to have a relationship with you. And I'll, you know, I want to be able to, to be part of your life, but I know I'm not your mom, you know, and she's like, I don't want to try to take your place as, as your mom. You know, that's she's like, I know that your mom is your mom. And I gave birth to you. And she said that she told me that when she found out that she was pregnant, you know, she didn't tell anybody for a while because um, she, she really wasn't even sure she was. But um, she said she knew that that God was using her to be a vessel for for a couple to have a baby who couldn't. Candy's birth mother said very few people in her family knew that she placed a baby for adoption, but she and Candy's maternal grandmother always remembered her every year on the calendar on my birthday they would put lw which stood for little who and um <laughs> little who and they would, who they would always become? pray for me wow yes that's little who and she did get to hold me when um when i was born and so she knew she that i was a girl you know but um but that's all she knew you know she didn't they didn't tell her anything. And in fact, they didn't even tell her that she could send in a letter, um, you know, to to help connect us. And so she didn't even know that was a thing. And she had requested that I know that um, she was raped. And um, she was really upset when she found out that I had no idea um, what had happened. And um, because that was one of the requests she had made to the diocese, which I could imagine that would be kind of hard. You know, I mean, when the when does when do you tell your child that they're the product of a rape? You know, I mean, yeah. how does how do you even go about talking about that? That would be very difficult. I have to sit down and and explain that. But um, not to mention so maybe that's why the diocese didn't pass that information along. I don't know. Yeah, I can't help but wonder too how that impacts a person when they grow up with that knowledge from an early age. I mean, I would imagine that at the time that you learned mm-hmm. that information about yourself, you were fairly well on your way to knowing who you were and what kind of person you were. Mm-hmm. Like having built the inner strength to accept mm-hmm. something when it turned yeah. up in your search. So to learn that at an earlier age could be pretty traumatic, I would imagine, for a person. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I am glad that I found that when I was older. You know, I never, I never faulted her for, for putting me up for adoption. Like, in my mind, I, I always kind of rationalized that it was because she was too young. And that's just kind of how I imagined it. That it was just, you know, there was just some circumstance that she loved me, but she wasn't in a position to raise me. And so I just, that's just kind of what I, lived on. I, I never felt like I wasn't wanted by her. And I think that was her fear that she didn't want me to think that she just threw me away. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and I never, I never thought that that was never anything in my, in my mind. So, um, I was very grateful to her 
for what she did and given me a, a, a mother and a father, and that's what she wanted was for me to have both. And one fear that I had was that when she saw me, that she would see the perpetrator. And I, I was afraid that, that that would bring back um, painful memories for her. Mm-hmm. Um, if it did, she never said um, that it did. Being the product of a rape is extremely difficult territory in reunion. As Candy said, she didn't want her reemergence to trigger haunting memories from her birth mother's past. Thankfully, that didn't happen, but something else did cause her mother to pull back. To have heard from your parents that you were the product of a rape, did you find that you were able to talk to her about the incident? Did she give you the details of being raped at Knife Point, or were you able ever able to discuss it with her? And did you have any reason to? Um, well, she did tell me. I mean, what I know was from her. I wanted to, to talk more in depth. And, in fact, um, I had talked to uh, a couple that they do a lot of videography. And, and um, my husband and I wanted to... Um, have our story on video and we wanted to tell our story so that we could, you know, pass it down to our children and just our love story. And then it turned into so much more because I mean, when, when you talk about how we met, you also had to talk about God's hand in, in my adoption too, to even bring about the fact, you know, or bring about us meeting. And so then it turned into a, a story about our adoption, about my adoption as well. And so I wanted to know, I wanted to make sure I had all my facts straight. And so when I approached her with, with that, it scared her because I think she thought I wanted all the details. And I didn't. I just wanted to make sure that I, what I said was accurate mm-hmm. and that I didn't tell the wrong story. Yeah. And, um, and so it, she really backed up and was like, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm not ready to talk about that yet. Mm-hmm. So it just seemed like she... Um, really didn't want to, just wasn't really ready to go there and maybe hasn't even, hadn't even processed it mm-hmm. well enough to, to talk about it in depth. And so I never wanted to push her into, you know, having to relive that. Wow. So are things still good with you guys? Well, um, actually, uh, March 29th of last year, she died. Um, oh. she was, going home. I'm not sure where she was coming from exactly. I haven't tried to ask too many questions because I don't want to pry, um, but but she had, she was on her way home and the intersection it was very confusing and she actually went up the wrong ramp and was going the wrong way um, on the interstate and hit a truck head on and it killed her instantly. Oh my god! And gosh. so that was... I know, it was almost a year ago. Oh, um, man. And so uh, it was good. And in fact, um, uh, there's another twist to the story. She learned that her half-sister had just gotten engaged. Since Candy wanted to have a deeper relationship with her sister, she and her husband went to the wedding shower. They also learned her sister was pregnant and the family was expanding. But then Candy had a weird feeling, so she chatted with her birth mother, who was alive at the time. After a while, I had not heard anything about the baby. And so um, 
So I contacted my birth mom and I was like, hey, um, is everything okay? I haven't heard anything about the baby. And, and she said, well, you know, I don't want you to say anything, but um, she's thinking about putting the baby up for adoption. And so come to find out, like, the guy she married was a, she had dated in high school. And um, she didn't know the, the depth of his, his drinking problem. Mm-hmm. And so she, after she got pregnant, which was, uh, it wasn't a planned pregnancy, but they were excited. But then she found out that he had this issue with alcohol and he had already been through a relationship where uh, her husband was on, I think, on some kind of drugs or something, and she didn't want to do it again. She didn't want to have to do the um, be the spouse of the a co-parenting substance. thing. Yeah, mm. yeah, and then right and deal with that. And so she really felt like it was best to put the baby up for adoption. And they had picked um, a couple, you know, to do that. And and so you know, I, I contacted her and I was like, look, you know. If that doesn't work out, we'd be glad to take her that way. You know, I mean, she'd be in the family. And so after some prayer, she was like, yes, uh, I definitely want you to to have the baby. And that way, you know, she can be aunt and see the baby. But the problem was um, convincing the dad because they were married in Mississippi. If you're pregnant, you can't get a divorce. Um, He was really wanting to, to keep the baby. Uh, long story short, I mean, we just, we called him and we just said, look, we just want what's best for the baby. You know, and so we prayed with him and just told him that we're here, you know, we're not his enemy, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, we want what's best for everybody. And he called us and told us that he wanted us to have the baby, which my half sister was like amazed because she thought that he would never change his mind. She thought she would have to go to court and battle him for, for the baby. The baby's father wasn't really in a position to take care of a newborn himself. He moved back in with his parents and went to rehab. In January 2017, it seemed like the baby was coming any minute. So Candy went down to the Gulf Coast to be with her sister. But the little girl took her time coming into the world. And so right before the baby was born, I had gone down to the coast and got to spend some time with, with all my family without any children of my own down there, you know, by myself and just got to kind of hang out during their daily grind, you know, and because we thought that the baby was coming soon. So I had gone down there and hung out for a couple of days. I got just my biological grandmother and visit with her and hmm. see my brother. And and so um, I got to do that for a couple of days, which <laughs> That's nice. was, let's see, it was January and then she passed in March. Oh, so I got, I was so thankful that the Lord gave me that opportunity just to, just to go be around her for that period of time and see her and talk with her. Um, that is amazing. The baby was born in January last year. And so I was right there right after she was born. Uh, my, my birth mom, actually, this was the only birth that she was able to attend. Candy's birth mother was present for her grandchild to be born. The baby would soon be adopted by her own child given up for adoption long ago. Candy said the waiting period, 72 hours, was hard to wait because they could have changed their mind about relinquishing the child. But she said again, she only wanted what was best for the child, and if her sister changed her mind, 
Candy would have accepted their decision and supported them however she could. The baby's adoption sets up an interesting dynamic within the family, though. So may I ask, the child's not that old, and the child's right. mm-hmm. mother is your half-sister, but she, the child kind of yeah. knows the mother as the aunt. Have you thought mm-hmm. about how you're going to explain to her who her mother is in adoption? Yes. Um, uh, right now, you know, like, I try to give them, give the biological family every opportunity they they want to, to, to come and spend time with her. Um, it's a little bit difficult for me. I know we haven't talked about this, but um, we, I actually have seven kids, including her. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it's difficult for me to just kind of up and go meet them on the coast or something like that. So, But um, I'm willing to, you know, meet them halfway and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever they want to do, you know, I'm open to, to let, letting them be her. Cause, you know, coming from the other side, I know what that's like. And so um, I, we try to do, like, some face time so that she can see her aunt and that um kind of the storyline that we're going to kind of start telling her as she's older because you know i tell her now but she doesn't really understand Mm -hmm. um she's she's just 13 or 14 months old um but that um that she grew in in her aunt's tummy you know but that she's ours Mm -hmm. and so um you know that's kind of I don't want to be disrespectful, you know, to my half sister. Right. You know, but, but she's ours now. And so, you know, it seems kind of harsh, but I don't know. Um, there, there are a couple, you know, it was really hard decision to make. Like, here we are. We, at the time we had five children. Like, what are, what business do we have adopting another one? I don't know. We just, we've always wanted to adopt. And so mm-hmm. this just, Kind of fell in our lap, and we were like, "Well, is this is this God's plan, or is it not?" And and so my husband and I really got on our faces, and and we're praying, like, "Lord, is this is this what we're supposed to do?" And, you know, if it's not, we, you know, I even contacted one of my friends who has who has no children, and I was like offering the baby to her first, like, I don't want to to miss it. If I was supposed to just be a connection, mm. I, you know, I didn't want to to take the baby for myself, being selfish and and not make sure I looked around to see if there was somewhere she was somewhere else she was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And my friend was like, "No, we don't feel like it's it's time for us to adopt yet," you know. And so my husband and I was we were praying, and prior to this, like months ago, before we even knew that there was a possibility of adopting the baby a friend had delivered a word to us and what i mean by that like the lord had told them to tell us that we were going to receive a gift that we felt like we didn't deserve and so we're thinking what could this be what could this gift be that we feel like we don't deserve you know what, what is it and so when we were praying my husband had a vision of my half sister handing him the baby wrapped up in a red bow. And then when he saw that, it just clicked like this was the gift. This is the gift that God had told us months ago that he was going to give us that we didn't feel like we deserved. And, um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and 
also while so while he's having that vision, um, I also had a vision, and mine was um, I was holding the baby, and she was too little to to have any kind of motor skills at that time in my vision. But when my husband walked up behind me while I'm holding her, she reached out for him. And, um, you know, that just let me know in my mind, I'm just thinking, yeah, and she needs, she needs her daddy. Mm-hmm. And this little girl is a daddy's girl. And she oh, really? is all about some daddy. <laughs> wow. Like, <laughs> I was going to ask you, you saw mama, this relationship. That's, <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah. So are the other yeah. six biological to you? Mm, yes. She's the only adopted. Yes. She is the only one. Gotcha. And, and so, yeah. So that's kind of neat too, you know, mm-hmm. she's kind of in the same situation I was. She's yeah. the only adopted one. Yeah. But they, they love her tremendously. Oh, that's so awesome. And, um, but she, she follows, she follows daddy around, you know, <laughs> she, <laughs> He's so sweet. She just loves loves her daddy. That's really funny. Definitely has a connection with him. I had one final question for Candy concerning DNA testing. As prevalent as commercialized DNA testing is, Candy or her children might decide to submit their own samples for testing to learn more about their own genetic makeup or to find more relatives. Of course, since her birth mother was raped, it's a challenging option for her to ponder. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of adoptees have found their biological parents mm-hmm. intentionally or accidentally through DNA testing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. obviously DNA testing could have some serious ramifications for you and whom you are identified with mm-hmm. online. Have you mm-hmm. thought about an occasion that might come up where you might decide you might have to make a decision to do DNA testing or not and what you think you would do? Yeah, I've actually um, been kind of looking into that. I have a uh, a close friend of mine whose daughter just did the DNA test. And so I was just watching very carefully what she's found and things like that. But for some people, it might seem kind of ridiculous. I don't know. But I do want to find my birth father. Mm-hmm. And he might not be the guy that he was, and maybe he is. He could be in jail somewhere. He might not be alive. I don't know. But, um, I mean, he probably has no idea I exist. Right. And so, I don't know. I am really curious about that because I don't know why. I just, I, I feel like I have a lot of grace to give. And so, I've thought about about doing the, the DNA test to see if there was a possibility that I could find somebody on that side of the family. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> no, I I don't think there's anything wrong with it at, at all. I'm sure some people might find it, you know, weird. But regardless, yeah. I think one of the things that you said is important. He might not be the guy that he was back then, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, his pa- his life could have gone on multiple different trajectories. And if he yes. is remotely in a positive space it might not be a terrible thing to have tracked him down, uh, but you know, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll, you'll be able to figure those things out as you cra- as you cross each bridge. Right. And one, yeah. you might not ever find him in which case it's a moot point. But if you ever did, I mean, one would hope that he's not still the guy that he was 
back then. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, and so there's, you know, there's, that's a whole other maze of, you know, yeah. emotions yeah. and sort of a tactical journey to navigate, to even try to find him, let alone whether he's interested in connecting, etc. cetera. So, right. and, and I totally yeah. understand why you would want to do it because in fact, he is the other half of why you're on this earth. And mm-hmm. it's, that's undeniable. Yeah. You know, and his parents might be great. I mean, you know, I don't, you don't know, you know, might not have anything to do with, with him and his choices. Mm-hmm. That's you know, right. So, right. Half siblings and aunts or mm-hmm. uncles who are, are awesome or whatever. You, you know, there's all kinds of possibilities out there, but also steal yourself against the fact that, you know, he might still be that guy. And, uh, and, yeah. and it's, it's a lot to face, but I wish you luck in trying to find yeah. him and, and making a connection. Well, if you, you do, I hope you'll let me know. Yeah, yeah, I will. Okay, very <laughs> good. Well, Candy, thanks so much for sharing your story. I think it's really amazing that you yeah. both were an adoptee in a family of biological children and have sort of transferred that to your own family in order to give somebody mm-hmm. else a loving home. I think that's really awesome, and I'm glad you were able to find your biological yeah. mother because you know the fact that she was searching for you um mm-hmm. really means and you know they were writing your birthday on their calendar it means they she was really thinking about you know who this baby was that she sent off into the world and i'm glad mm-hmm. you guys were able to connect for the short time that you did yes me too cool. i'm so thankful for that good well thank you for sharing your story today candy i appreciate it yeah Absolutely. Thank you sure, take for interviewing me about it. Of course. <laughs> Thanks. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, it's me. I'm sure you could hear in Candy's voice how truly thankful she was to have a chance to spend time with her birth mother before adopting her sister's baby, then tragically losing her mother in a head-on collision. It was also interesting to hear Candy describe her desire to know her biological mother, but not wanting to resurrect terrible memories of the violent act that brought Candy into this world. I'm glad her birth mother was in a place of acceptance to allow Candy into her life. I'm sure that must have been hard to separate Candy from the perpetrator. I wish Candy luck in finding the man. Hopefully, he's in a much more positive place than he was decades ago when Candy was conceived. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you'll find something in Candy's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn. Who am I, really? If you would like to share your adoption journey and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can choose to share your whole story, maintain some privacy about parts of your story, or tell your tale completely anonymous. It's totally up to you. You can also find the show at facebook.com slash whoamireally or follow me on Twitter at whoamireally. And please, if you like the show, you can subscribe to Who Am I Really on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Tune in radio or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, take a moment to share a rating or leave a comment. Those ratings can help others to find the podcast too.